Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here as always with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello, hello. Hello, Haley, and welcome back. We are very excited to be talking about a show, I think that was written for us. I I think think so. Someone at Apple TV (laughs) listens to the podcast and was like, Haley and Ryan need a show that is just so specific to their tastes and their conversations that they will have 10 episodes of stuff to talk about. I agree. So if that wasn't enough of a hint, we're going to be talking about Apple TV's shrinking today and answering questions like, why is self-disclosure sometimes unethical if you let a patient live in your back house? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I think that that needs a different term other than (laughs) self-disclosure. Dual relationships. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But before that, you know, Haley, there's a lot of stuff going on in the news that feels somewhat relevant to our our industry, and that is artificial intelligence. Um, I don't know if you've been following along with all the chat GPT stuff and Mm -hmm. um, all these chat bots and all the intelligence that they have, as you can imagine. It's something I'm very curious in and I've been playing around with the last couple of weeks of things have been getting more interesting. Mm-hmm. First of all, I guess, so is that something that, that interests you? Are you into the, the artificial intelligence stuff? Do you play around with any of these things at all? Um, I don't play around with any of it. Okay. I It's something that I'm like, oh, I should try that out. And then mm. it never goes further than a thought of like, oh, that seems curious. Yeah, I find it interesting, you know, like I find it intriguing that we are kind of forming this new realm of of technology that can aggregate data in a realistic-ish way. Um, And it's intriguing to see probably like where it will go. Because, you know, like, like the ones where they like take photos of people and then create like a a, a photo of that person the hands are always weird there's always like nine yes. fingers well, they're working you know on it. Yes. <laughs> so like they're not quite at a place where like to me it's whoa where it would trick you, know? you or yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure yeah but i think things like deep fakes and mm. stuff like that that are becoming more and more possible like i think that's a little like scary of of what can be possible with stuff like that well, yeah, in terms of what's possible, I mean, a lot of like the natural questions that people ask as these things continue to evolve is like, whose jobs are at risk, right? Mm-hmm. What's being replaced? What machines are going to take over what tasks and things like that? Um, and you'll be happy to know one of the things that somebody actually asked ChatGPT recently, like, what jobs do you think you, ChatGPT, ChatGPT... Try it what? again. All right. What jobs... <laughs> Do you, chat GPT, do you not think you are going to be able to replace? Mm-hmm. And the artificial intelligence bot said, you know, doctors, nurses, therapists were also up there. Okay. And I think you and I could sort of intuit sort of why that would be. 
Um, mm-hmm. We were talking before we started recording. You know, I think there are a lot of things that even if a chat bot could replicate the words we might say uh-huh. to some extent that something would be missing from that yeah. that people would not really be benefiting from don't you think yeah i agree i think yeah. until let's just say robots right uh-huh. or ai become completely indistinguishable from humans yep it truly like a deep fake of me and me can both talk and nobody can tell which one's me and which one's the deep fake until that happens. I think there's just something about the connection with another human vibe or soul or presence Mm. that is imperative to therapy. Um, And currently like when I, I'm like on my bank's website and I'm like chatting with something and it's chatting with a bot that's giving me all the answers. I'm like grateful that I get all of the answers. Sure. But at the end of it, it feels different that if I feel like I'm chatting with a person and they have helped me. Yeah. I get the same result out of both of them. But at the end of like with the person, I'm like, thank you so much for all your help. Like, Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Yeah. And there is something about human connection that is so central to the human soul and i think that that is necessary for therapy to be i don't know to feel seen i think well right because it's it's the live interaction nature of it as well Mm -hmm. um you know because i've seen text chat therapy and things Mm -hmm. like that and i've used some of these bots some of them of, of which are designed explicitly to act as a therapist or act as a compassionate robot companion whatever it might be (laughs) and it's some of it's very impressive you know you could say i'm feeling this way or feeling that way and you could be fooled into thinking that a human is typing these words back to you okay um but when it's just these words and the things that because i think that's that's sort of what it's good for it's like hey you know oh i'm feeling anxious today it can spit back out skills that you could practice or it could type out uh you know reassuring reflective statements for you to Uh for you to think about but something about seeing a person even virtually you know and you know we'll probably talk about this in the episode today but um seeing a person even virtually on a screen is a step beyond that where not only are you hearing the words being said but there is some visual connection like this person is is with me in this moment yeah. and understands me beyond just telling me to meditate um, or whatever a chatbot yeah. would tell you to do. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that like what came to my mind is um, probably about a year ago or so you and I decided we were going to go from just audio when we were recording yeah. to having the video on. And we both kind of said like, Oh, being able to like, see the other person's engagement with what they're saying actually made it an easier process for us and a more connected process for us. And I think that's a, a perfect example of, yep. of that. And, and like, I hope if we ever do get replaced by computers, I hope that like what you can choose, like, I hope you can choose personality types for your therapist, right? Because like today, one of my teenagers said something and I just went like, dude, 
that blows. And like, I don't think any algorithm is ever going to have dude that blows as, right. <laughs> as a, like as a therapeutic response. Mm-hmm. But for that teenager, that's exactly what they needed to hear today. Yeah. And so like, I hope one day it'll be like, you know, be more casual or like have a sense of humor or yeah. use metaphors or, mm-hmm. you know, like it, yeah. hopefully you can choose that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you can, um, if you go into the, like the Bing website, you can say like precise, creative or balanced. So you're they're They're exploring that space to a certain degree. So it's all right. very interesting. Um, I have no desire to be replaced, but I'm also fascinated by the possibility. So mm-hmm. I'll be sure to keep you up to date. Yeah. You know, I'm also thinking the, that like you and I are going to age out of this job before we're fully replaced. Well, anyway, that would be so. nice. I don't want to have to worry about it. Let the next generation of therapists <laughs> yeah. worry about that problem. Yeah. All right. That's what well, everybody wants the aging <laughs> yeah. people to be like, that's the kid's problem. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, someday our homework will be, well, go talk to your AI bot and, and you know, and, and you may, maybe you'll yeah. feel better. Which about of my AI problem. bots yes. would you like to speak to next week? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's take a quick break here um, and uh, listen to an ad that we have for you, and then we'll come back and talk about Apple TV's shrinking. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media, and because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Shrinking is an American comedy drama television series created by Bill Lawrence, Jason Siegel, and Brett Goldstein. It premiered on January 27th, 2023 on Apple TV, and it stars Jason Siegel as Jimmy Laird who is a therapist dealing with severe grief, and he begins to breach ethical barriers by telling his patients what he really thinks, resulting in massive changes to his and their lives. So, Haley, at any point, because the first episode really kind of jumps into like his to Jimmy's decision to... You know, I just want to shake things up. I just want mm-hmm. to, you know, he wants to help his patients move on. You know, the whole vibe of that, like, montage that we see mm-hmm. is, from Jimmy's point of view, his patients sort of telling him the same thing that they always tell him. Mm-hmm. And he wants to shake them out of that. He wants mm-hmm. to see progress and probably because of his own stuckness. Like he wants to shake himself yes, a bit. Yes, exactly. Um, he decides that he wants to tell his patients what he really thinks, despite his uh, supervisor's suggestions to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Do you ever share this desire to, quote-unquote, tell people, tell your patients what you really think? The desire, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm human. I have opinions yes, about course. people's choices. Yes, of course. I very rarely tell my patients what to do um, unless I feel as though there's a little bit of like, hey, like I think it might be a very good idea to tell your mom that this is going on or like 
you know, have you considered asking your spouse for help with this? Mm -hmm. It seems as though they might be somebody that might have good insight into what to do. And to be totally honest, like it kind of takes a lot for me to even be that direct about Mm -hmm. it. Like that's a big deal. That's a relationship tester. Yep. Yeah. And then I always preface it with, and of course, if you decide that this that doesn't make sense for you, you don't want to do it, it doesn't fit in with your understanding of yourself and your values, certainly do not do it. Totally fine. Yeah. And then sometimes I will give like a, here's why I think that it might be a good idea. You know, your mm-hmm. mom has showed that she is like steps up in situations like this and you're feeling that you can't make a decision. Let yeah. somebody else make that decision for you and why not have it be your mom, right? Stuff like that. Yeah, because the the examples that we see, right, he tells one of his patients that she should leave her husband, mm. right? Grace, right? And mm. and then she does. And then all this happens in the first two episodes. She moves in with her sister and she's doing so good and he's so happy for her. And of course, that leads to unforeseen consequences. Um, with Sean... He, the MMA gym. Yeah. So, so, and there are some of these examples that I want to dig in with you because I think there's sort of a spectrum of the sort of problematic nature of some of his interventions, some of which are quite problematic, mm-hmm. some of which I think are actually really interesting, you know, especially for people who have not been into therapy. I could see them asking like, why couldn't my therapist come with me to spread my mom's ashes as mm-hmm. he does with one patient later mm-hmm. on in the season? Mm-hmm. You know, why couldn't my therapist, you know, if we talked about wanting to go to an MMA gym, like why couldn't he come with me the first day? Mm-hmm. So what, what, you know, we, we called out, you know, especially that example with Sean, what's your thought on those sort of experiential interventions? I'm all for it as long as it like makes sense for the therapy itself. Yeah. For me, who's who's 100% remote, it would take a lot for me to like change that whole dynamic. Yeah. However, I think that like if you are a therapist who sees your patient in person mm-hmm. every single week and and you determine okay, you need support scattering your mother's ashes, Great. Let's go do it. Why don't we schedule a time that will be your session for the week? And that's Mm -hmm. what we will do for that session. Yeah. Some people may think that like, and this is like really, you know, inside baseball, but there might be insurance stuff or like malpractice insurance type stuff or or coverage, things like that. But that depends on each individual therapist and Mm -hmm. and the work that they do. Yep. But I actually think that like, so my my note for let's go find you someone to beat up is what yes, um, Jimmy yes. says to Sean. Yes. I was like, yeah, I think that's great. Like if a kid starts hitting kids in his class, sign him up for karate. Yep. Teach him how to like appropriately manage his body in a in an appropriate way, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like a socially acceptable, appropriate outlet. Yeah. They mention in the show, like, this is so unethical. I disagree. Now, there is a line where he says, my therapist forced me to fight a guy. Now, if that's what happened, that is unethical. (laughs) Yeah. But I think this specific therapy session in and of itself was not unethical. It's when 
it is when his and Sean's boundaries start getting um, bent. And, you know, he starts self-disclosing and then it just kind of snowballs from there. So, Mm -hmm. but truly as like a... Like like he goes into the woman who who has OCD tendencies. He goes into her home to do some yeah. like exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. That's okay, right? Like you, there's plenty of therapists who are in home. Yep. Do in home treatment. Absolutely. And I think taking the man to go scatter his mother's ashes. I also think that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Telling Grace to leave her husband. Not okay, right? Because <laughs> that's a right. decision about her life rather yes. than supporting a process, right? In the therapy, yeah. quote unquote, room. Yeah, well, so I think that's a good distinction, a good call out, because you know some of these experiential things. I think there's a, a world in which all of that is actually really helpful to his patients, and there's various montages. He has the patient that like has issues dating, and they kind of mm-hmm. go out to dinner and. You know, kind of, I saw in one of your notes, you know, you wish you could observe your patients in, in, in real, real life. life. Oh, my and gosh, I, yeah. I, the same, I, I think, because that that in the moment, my symptoms are happening right now or my dysfunctional uh-huh. relationship dynamics are happening right now. Uh-huh. And to be able to identify those in the moment, process them with someone who's working with you on these issues in the moment mm-hmm. and make different choices, I think is so powerful. Mm-hmm. That if that's available in the context of therapy that uh, the therapist is doing, that I think that's great, mm-hmm. and I do think it's very feasible that you could get really good outcomes from that. Mm-hmm. But you know, on the other end of the spectrum is where Jimmy ends up in in multiple instances as well, um, and not just because the OCD patient you know tries to kiss him, right? Uh-huh. Sean moves in with him. Obviously, the the patient who uh, he tells to leave her Grace. husband, Grace. The husband beats him up, finds out and tracks him down and beats him up. Um, and then his other patient comes in and defends him. So it's like, you know, as soon as you you open yourself up to your life kind of being enmeshed with your patient's lives, like mm-hmm. now we're talking unethical and dangerous, yes. not just to your patients, but to your own sort of sense of self and and lifestyle as well. Yeah. Like I think Grace and the woman with OCD and then the man with his grief around his mother, Mm -hmm. individually, each of those I think can be like argued of like, what and how is, was therapeutic about this? What and how was meaningful? Sean, absolutely not. Like, like there's, there's no way to be like, oh yeah, this whole relationship was totally fine. Yeah. You know, and then it doubly gets complicated where there's like a sort of half thing between Sean and his daughter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, it's, it's a tough, <laughs> it's a tough thing. Well, yeah. And that's, you know, and I, I, for me, I was glad that we got from these sort of like unethical therapist interventions into just like Jimmy's life, right? Yeah. And and the different relationships that were going on for him. Because I think that sort of re-emphasis over mm-hmm. the course of those first couple of episodes really brought us into, okay, here's what's actually going on. Like this mm-hmm. person is suffering from prolonged grief um, and it's affecting him, it's affecting his daughter, it's affecting his relationships, he's disconnected from people. Mm-hmm. And that is on its own a big explanation for why he's sort of desperate to initiate radical change in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But right. it almost feels a little bit like he's trying – He's because he knows it's not really the appropriate take. And so, like, it almost feels like he's kind of self-sabotaging a little bit and then just gets too much, like, positive reinforcement from it. So he's like, I'm yeah. just actually going to kind of keep doing this thing. Well, right. As soon as it feels like it's working, he just kind of leans into it. And even after getting beat up, mm-hmm. he, he invites John to move in with him after he gets beat up uh, by yeah. a, a patient's husband. Yeah. And gets his best friend to defend his patient. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and I used the word enmeshed before. And in your notes, I saw uh, dual relationships. And I think there's just tons and tons and tons of examples of this mm-hmm. as we get to know more and more of the characters of mm-hmm. this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go into those uh, characters and these relationships. So obviously, we have Jimmy. We have Jimmy's daughter, Alice who is uh, 16, 17. She's like a junior in high school, feels like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, we have their next door neighbor, uh, Liz, who's sort of like a surrogate mom for Alice Mm -hmm. and her husband. Mm -hmm. We have Brian, uh, Jimmy's former best friend, who Jimmy reaches out to as he's sort of, you know, trying to recover from... Gosh, that first the first scene of the whole series where he's like drunk and or high in the pool with oh, yeah. some women. <laughs> um, he's basically recovering from that, right? Uh-huh. From those life choices that he's been making. Uh-huh. So he gets, you know, reignites a connection with his friend, and then he has Gabby, uh, his coworker and fellow therapist, played by Jessica Williams, who initially, along with Paul, their supervisor just sort of seem like colleagues. And then mm-hmm. over the course of the next couple episodes, it's revealed how in depth all of these people are in each other's lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are tons of examples of that, that we can go through. But, you know, before we talked about dual relationships, right? So this, mm-hmm. uh, even just talking about Jimmy and Gabby, Gabby was Jimmy's wife, Tia's best friend. Mm-hmm. So not only is Gabby uh, Jimmy's coworker, they're also very close friends. And later on in the in the season, more than that, you know, Liz, as I said, surrogate mother to Jimmy's daughter Alice, um, obviously is also a neighbor, becomes an investor in <laughs> Jimmy's patience oh, yeah. <laughs> Sean business that he wants to start, and also becomes friends with Gabby. And becomes friends with Gabby and becomes, yeah, becomes a, a person who has it within the, the rock club um, that, that Liz has. And then we have Paul, played by Harrison Ford, the sort of disgruntled old senior wise therapist, right? Who we initially just kind of see as like, oh, he's, you know, he's the wise old mentor who's mm-hmm. trying to keep his practice together and, and you know, steer Jimmy and Gabby in the right directions as growing therapists but then we come to see that he's sort of acting as jimmy's daughter's therapist um i don't know how that started it's not really identified but Mm -mm. we just sort of start to see them having these little kind of bench dates and lunch dates and he is he very much acts as her therapist i mean in the in an episode later in this season he doesn't identify her as a patient. He says, like, sort of, like his 
his daughter is his in daughter. the in his house with him and she comes uh-huh. by. Yeah. Yeah. But then also Alice says, like, I don't like therapy. And he goes, this isn't therapy. Well, and good that he yeah. calls that out. Uh-huh. But, but again, so I guess as you're observing all these uh, dual relationships early on mm-hmm. and as a, as a therapist yourself, how much was your like red flag, red light going off? Because I think for me, it was like, oh my gosh, like I think this, this was some of the most uncomfortable stuff for me in some of these early mm-hmm. episodes. It was like, oh my gosh, everybody uh, knows something about everyone and everybody has a, a something that, like a relationship, but then a side relationship where they also have a relationship with that person, but uh-huh. through this other side thing. And it was making me very uncomfortable. I don't yeah. know what you were <laughs> observing from all of that. Yeah, I think... As soon as I, I, so we pick up pretty quickly, like the therapy of this is bad. Like, you know, yes, like yes. it's for me, I was like, okay, great. I'm not going to be you looking let at go this. of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be looking at the therapy of this because nope. After that, to me, it feels like these people are just a group of friends who also happen to work together. Yep. And so to me, like the, the interconnectedness of it didn't feel that strange okay because like there's plenty of times where like say friend a and friend b do something that hurts friend c yeah yep. and then friend c and friend a talk it out mm-hmm. but then friend b is still like you know on the the trouble list right yeah. and and that sometimes is like okay well you know the other two know what happened and and they know how they figured it out and they kind yeah. of stay out of it for the other and like I think that that really does happen in in relationships, but also like classic sitcom kind of problems, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah it's definitely like in sitcoms you have a limited number of people, and so like if you're gonna have conflict between people, it's gonna have to be the same people. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But also like in small groups of friends, that's mm-hmm. what happens, right? Like. This person is your ex's roommate, but they're also your friend. And so do you go snowboarding with him or do you not? Because, you know, like that, it just, it just happens like that, right? And Mm -hmm. I find most of their relationships pretty, like, wonderful. And I also, like, I... I, yeah, I wish we could, could have had like a little bit more insight into how Alice and Paul's relationship did start. That would have yeah. been very intriguing mm-hmm. um, because I think that they have a really lovely relationship. Like when, yeah. you know, Liz was wonderful and stepped up in like the like day to day kind of care. But I think Paul really gave her this like connection to her dad when her dad wasn't able to connect which i thought was really wonderful and um yeah so it didn't really make me uncomfortable as much as it just was like i mean the the sean situation made me real uncomfortable sure i was like can you just he's her stop (laughs) patient yeah (laughs) right um but like if he had just been a dude that they had met who was renting the back house i don't think i would have been as uncomfortable with it yeah i think you're right (laughs) yeah yeah and right and to your point here i think it it, like all the relationships 
are presented in a way of of like trying to make it that sort of like heartwarming sitcom yeah. like problem solving stuff. Mm-hmm. So even though there's ethical things with Sean, you know, it's it's still at the end of the day like and we're going to help him get a job or and mm-hmm. we're going to help reconnect him with his dad or you know, hey, why don't you come get ice cream with me? And it's like yeah. Ha ha ha! Yes, you you live with your therapist, but like, and it just becomes less and less of a thing that's even acknowledged over the yeah, course of the uh-huh. season. Yeah, yeah. So all these uh, very interesting relationships are going on, but with this backdrop of grief, and I thought we should at least acknowledge this a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly for Jimmy, but also it's a major sort of plot point for Alice. Yeah her relationship with her dad clearly sort of since um, her mom has passed away has just become pretty distant. And we can understand from that opening scene, like your dad is not acting like your dad. He's Mm -hmm. just sort of like in a hole, self-medicating and, and, you know, getting through things one day at a time as best he can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what did you think about the portrayal of this sort of like, family recovering from this grief, from this loss that they've experienced. Yeah. What I do think is very interesting about this show is there is the like, hey, oh, grief has happened. The initial stages are gone. This is the like crawling your way out of it again and not out of grief, but like back into life again. Yeah. Which I was trying to think like, could I pinpoint another show where that was the focus? Because hmm. usually what happens is like the mother dies and then like they're dealing with their grief, <laughs> right? Whereas this is like we actually didn't really see them deal with their grief, uh, yep. with their like immediate levels of grief, right? We saw mm-hmm. them a year later where they were starting to find their way back to normal life. And and I actually really – I don't like the phrase normal life, like back to like living again, right? Back yeah. to engaging in their lives again. What I really liked about that is to me, it felt very realistic because Alice has wanted nothing more than this relationship with her father because like she says to him, like, you're acting like you're the only one who's grieving. I've been grieving too. Yep. And so then he like starts stepping up for her and then she's like, it's not enough. Yeah. You you don't get to just like You can't come to one soccer match and yeah. feel like you fixed everything. Yeah, yeah, you can't like wash my jersey and be like, "Hey, I'm dad again." Right, or make breakfast. Yeah. 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 And then also like when she does go to connect with him again, but she doesn't communicate to him that she's going to connect with him again, he misses it. Yep. And then she now has to deal with like the Okay, well, I was kind of putting myself out there, but I he he doesn't know that I was putting myself out there, but mm-hmm. like now I feel rejected. Like how yeah. do I manage They get it? a lot of that back and forth. Yeah, which can be really hard when you've broken communication with somebody to have that vulnerable conversation again. And what I really loved was when Jimmy was talking to Paul because Paul was basically like encouraging him, like you got to keep showing up for your daughter even if she's not prepared to accept it from you yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy goes... I'm losing faith in it working. And Paul goes, well, that makes sense because you've been trying it for almost a whole 10 minutes. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And I laughed at that line because I have felt that in my own life, right? Mm -hmm. Like been like, 
well, I did this thing and it doesn't feel like it's working, but I also see it in my patients a lot where they're like, yeah. you know, I like tried the acceptance thing and it didn't go away. And you're like, okay, but that's not what acceptance is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So that was really funny for me, but that was kind of a long answer to be like, I think, I think they managed this, this process of rebuilding and reconnecting with life again in a really wonderful way. Um, and then again, obviously, because there's such limited characters and things like that, it makes it when he falls into bed with somebody, it's his wife's best friend and his daughter finds out and like now they have to deal with that in a even more complicated way. And yep. But those are things that are going to come up. Like, what's it like to forget your mom's birthday anniversary? What's mm -hmm. it like to see your dad dating again? What's it like to be the caretaker for a, a young lady for a year and now suddenly you're not needed anymore? Like, what's that like? Yeah. And, and we see these sort of, as you said, these missed connections, right? They both clearly want this relationship to be... I don't even want to say back to normal, but back to, or I guess moving towards something yeah. that feels better, something that feels new, something that feels like reconnected. Yeah, back together. Yeah, because it, yeah. it feels like in many ways, and I think this is true with a lot of people who are struggling with grief, that they're seeking out that thing that was the way it was when the person was still alive. You know, Jimmy mm -hmm. talks about... um you know, with Alice, like, oh, we used to have these mornings and you'd come and you'd sit on the bed and we'd listen to music and you'd listen to, you'd tell us a song and I'd tell you a song. You'd tell me my songs are all too old. And, mm -hmm. and then they sort of try to recreate that, right? She comes in and then that's when she realizes that she forgot the mom's birthday. Yeah. And that moment all of a sudden is broken. And I think that's such a, a well-executed example of what grief is like, yeah. which is we are trying to move on and then, oh no, that part of our dynamic that that person is no longer a part of, mm -hmm. we're just reminded of it, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're brought back into those feelings and yeah. that good energy and connection that we were building now all of a sudden is is gone and she walks out of the room and mm -hmm. it's just heartbreaking seeing them almost kind of have that real close connection again yeah yeah i think i think the way jimmy responded to that moment was was really wonderful yeah because he just kind of explained like well i went but i didn't want you to feel pressured to go and so i you know, put it out there and, and it's okay. And like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I do think he knows that his daughter's mother matters to her. So I do oh, think yeah. like a, a conversation four days prior that would have been like, Hey, your mom's birthday's coming up this week. I'm going to go give her flowers. Would you like to join or are you going to yes. handle it yourself? Sure. That conversation I think would have been necessary of a little bit, like give her the out of like, mm -hmm. If you don't want to do anything, if you don't want to think about it, don't. Totally fine. Yep. But just a heads up, something, you know, it is coming um, and I recognize it's coming and it's, you know, probably going to be hard. But I think like since that didn't happen, his reaction and just kind of letting her be scared and hurt and frustrated mm. about it, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like a rupture between the two of them. No, like, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It felt like yeah. the first time where like they could both 
hold their grief in different ways together. Mm-hmm. And she was upset with herself. Yeah. And he was hurt for her. Mm-hmm. And they both had that moment. It does suck that it came like right after the like they were having a like a really yeah. nice connection. Um, yeah. But it didn't feel like a rupture. It just felt like a different version of the connection that they were rebuilding. Yeah. And that's why grief can be really complex for families as well is because different relationships have been lost at the same time, right? So for Jimmy, part of him acknowledging to Alice that he's ready to move on is I'm not wearing my wedding ring. I'm packing up her clothes. Mm -hmm. And he does those things initially without telling her, to your point. So there's communication of this experience that's missing. Yeah. And that level of communication, that sort of open vulnerability can prevent some of this, let's say, um, resentment, anger that Alice, you know, I think very understandably experiences, which is like, what do you mean you're getting rid of all mom stuff? Like, Mm -hmm. what's what's going on? And then, you know, he acknowledges and and wants to give it to her. And then she kind of takes it on and, and tells stories. And that's where you really feel like okay, this is what grief processing it looks like, is mm-hmm. Jimmy being able to walk out of the room and Alice being able to tell the story of, the you know, her mom's shoes, right? Yeah. Um, and then being able to wear them and just being able yeah. to kind of take that on in a really positive way that she was excited about from yeah. everything that we could see. Yeah. And what I um, didn't think about while I was watching it, but now as we were speaking, it it occurred to me, we mentioned like in the first or second episode, she says to Jimmy, Alice says to Jimmy, you keep acting like you're the only one grieving. Yep. And almost the way that he like took his wedding ring off, packed the stuff up, didn't tell her about the birthday. He was like, I'm handling like I'm moving forward yep. without recognizing that like the choices he makes about packing up his wife's clothes is also the choices he's making about packing up her mother's clothes. Exactly right. And like taking off his wedding ring, what is it going to mean for her and her understanding of her parents? Right. Um, And yes, I do think that he gets to decide that he is ready to pack up the clothes and take off his wedding ring. Like he gets to determine that for himself. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't recognize like, she is going to be grieving these steps as well. And maybe Mm -hmm. not at the same time, um, which falls into that line of her saying like, you're not recognizing that I'm also grieving. Um, And then obviously they're able to like come together better, you know, where he's like, okay, what she needs is to talk about this. I don't necessarily want to or need to hear it. Mm. Why doesn't she tell Sean and I'll walk out the room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, I don't remember exactly who says this, but I was looking up quotes, and I think um, this feels like a Paul line, but it was, two vulnerable people will always find their way, just stay connected, right? And I think that's what, over the course of this season, we see Jimmy and Alice kind of moving closer to, is them both being able to acknowledge what has been so difficult about this for each of them individually, Mm -hmm. and then moving on individually in their own ways while sort of sharing some of those experiences together. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really cool. Jimmy's sort of like 
attempts to be a dad again mm-hmm. um so alice steals the car and goes out to usc and mm-hmm. goes to a guy's dorm and all these things um a very sort of ter- stereotypical teenage rebellion mm-hmm. thing um and jimmy along with paul and brian great scene and great episode just in general yeah. really fun but they track her down bring her home and he grounds her and mm-hmm. her reaction to that is basically like sort of like who are you who do you think you are can do this like you mm-hmm. haven't been dad you know mm-hmm. mom would never do this mm-hmm. and and i think him recognizing that her sort of like belief or her desire to believe that mm-hmm. i think is sort of in line with her wanting to you know, her own version or her own memory of mom as being like separate from what her dad is doing in that moment. Right. Yeah. And then for him to be able to say like, you know, she would like, Uh we would both discipline you. Like we're both parents that care about your behavior and what you did wasn't okay. Yeah. And she also was like reacting to a year of not being disciplined for anything. Now it doesn't seem like she really did anything that needed disciplining throughout that year, but you know, but Paul says like he's not going to do anything. He never does anything, right? And yes, he does. And and then when she says like mom wouldn't do that, probably part of her grief process is remembering how much she like loves her mom and like how yeah. like and the right the, the stealing yes. the ice cream, right? Yes. Like stuff like that. Hundred yeah, percent. And yep. so in that moment, she probably was like, "Mom was great, and you suck." And he's mom like, "No, sometimes mom sucked too." You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yep. Hmm. And when he says that, she like looked at him and she was like, yeah, mom, mom would have done this. Right. And so it almost like reinforced like that this is an okay thing for him to do, which was a nice parent child connection moment. If it wasn't a nice, like intimate moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to maybe pause and we don't have to record this, but I was going to sort of all, all these other relationship dynamics that this, show goes through in one 10 episode season like what other relationships jump out to you that that you'd like to kind of um talk through with our time today yeah well i think we should chat briefly about that conversation between jimmy and brian where jimmy gets quote unquote into it with brian a little bit at pickleball and basically they have this discussion about how like you wouldn't let me be miserable. Like yes. you kept on trying to like, you know, everything goes my way and everything's great and mm-hmm. you're fine. Let's move on. And, yeah. and I think that is something that some people do when their friends, their loved ones are uncomfortable. They try to be like, just focus on having fun. Just move forward. Like that's unhealthy for you. Don't do that. As opposed to like, you know, if you need to scroll through your ex's Instagram a couple times <laughs> a week, like just do that. You know, yeah. like if it becomes an obsession, then let's talk about it. But like if that's what you need to kind of move through this, be a little miserable if you need yeah. to, you know? And I thought that was like a really powerful conversation. And then it ended with a joke, which I also thought was like good. Yes. That's also what friendship is about. Mm-hmm. It's like I can make a joke about this without it actually undermining the message or without it being awful. 
Well, yeah, but I think this, so this is, this is what grief does to friendships, right? So we went through, um, sort of the experience that Jimmy and Alice's relationship changed and evolved and was affected by, um, their loss, but, you know, the effect on Jimmy and his friendships and other relationships was obviously deeply, deeply affected as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so his friend, Brian, you know, this sort of ever the optimist or ever the sort of positive person Mm -hmm. That just it was an energy that Jimmy couldn't really handle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wanting it to be okay to be sad and to mm-hmm. not be, you know, the the person that was going to kind of show up to pickleball or show up uh-huh. to weekly hikes in the same way that he used to didn't feel okay. So all of a sudden he stopped reaching out or stopped showing up. Mm-hmm. And I think this is super common with people who are struggling, not just with grief, but depression, anxiety, all sorts of things Mm -hmm. where the sort of misalignment of almost like emotional energy of like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I usually go out and see my friends for brunch or we, you know, we do this or we go here or we're on this team or we, Mm -hmm. you know, check in this often. You know, if the sort of alignment becomes off, Mm -hmm. it can be really hard to reignite that, rekindle that even when you're doing better. Yeah. And I think that like also sometimes people kind of err into like a a one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. So like either we go play pickleball and we pretend like nothing's happened or we like sit on the couch and we cry about it. And I think what most people need is like the invitation to pickleball with the option to be miserable while you're there. Mm, Love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the invitation to pickleball with the option to say like, not today, but maybe tomorrow, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's – people sometimes struggle with that because they like want to give the person like what they need. So then if I say like, no, I don't want to go to pickleball, then they go like, okay, well, I'll just leave her alone. And I don't right. also – I also don't want to be alone, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And being really like – flexible, you know, and, mm-hmm. and instead of trying to figure out what it is that they need, giving them the option to be just what they are, right? Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to pickleball. I'd love you to come. I know you're feeling miserable. If you'd like to come, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like Brian has some of his own like anxiety stuff and tries to control everything and when you can't control your best friend's grief it probably caused it it clearly caused a a great rift between the two of them yeah and that's where we see over the course of the rest of the season that relationship kind of returning to some of those roots where they're able to you know wrestle with how honest to be with each other Mm -hmm. right so um jimmy kind of botches the whole ornate proposal (laughs) circumstance yes by overindulging and vomiting and making other poor choices that particular party night Mm -hmm. and then as a result brian is sort of like ah i don't know if we're comfortable having you as the efficient to the wedding Mm -hmm. and that conversation where it's okay that jimmy's hurt by that Mm -hmm. um and paul sort of helps them navigate some of that friendship stuff Uh And then sort of subsequently, as they work that out, you know, the sort of mini theme of that was Jimmy instructing one of his patients to boop her husband, Uh who, of course, she went back to. Yeah, let's talk about the booping. Yeah, we're going to talk about the booping because I think it's an interesting 
sort of concept in the realm of like breaking patterns because that's uh-huh. how it is sort of addressed in Jimmy and Brian's relationship, which is yep. that, you know, uh, Jimmy's just supposed to let it go and everything's going to be okay. And actually, no, it's okay that Jimmy's upset mm-hmm. and that Brian hurt his feelings and Jimmy's actually going to say, no, I think you need to leave. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, sort of like interrupted the pattern of how they would usually resolve some of these or let's say not resolve some of these, you know, friendship tension moments. Yeah, I what I really liked it was sometimes all you need to do is break the pattern. Mm -hmm. And like that whole episode, I think this all happened in the same episode, but like there were multiple different versions of like booping. Right. Yeah. So. Alice gets grounded. Yes. Like their pattern for so long has just been like him kind of letting her get away with whatever. And um, and he is like, nope, we're changing this pattern. And, mm-hmm. and then I don't remember specifically what Grace does. I think she just says no to her husband. Other than pushing him off the cliff, booping well, him off the, the cliff. that's the ultimate <laughs> boop. Oh, my goodness. Um, what a, like you, you made this joke before we started, but that's a cliffhanger. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But truly, like sometimes I say to my patients, if you're feeling stuck, do something different. So I said, like, if you're feeling stuck, drive to work a different way. Mm -hmm. And like, that seems so wild, like rearrange your living room, Mm -hmm. get a haircut. If you and your wife always have dinner at home order in or go out, right? Just once. It doesn't have to be every week. You don't have to like Mm -hmm. change like a whole, but like just shake it up a little bit, right? Like if you guys always fight over the dishwasher, as soon as you guys start fighting over the dishwasher, be like, okay, fine. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take out all the plates and we're going to hand wash every single one of them and then we'll start again tomorrow. Like just break the pattern. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And truly, I think the power of that is so incredible because our brains kind of get caught up in these these ideas where like, oh, because it's been going this way, it has to keep going this way. Yeah. Particularly in relationships, people kind of get like, oh, well, you know, she and I have been fighting a lot or um, we never go out anymore or we never do things, you know, and then people feel like, oh, well, this is how it's always going to be. And it's like, if you can just convince yourself to change the smallest thing it will change the whole relationship. And we see that with Derek and Liz where he goes, I love you. It's your turn to figure out something outside the house. It's my turn to be home. Right. And Mm -hmm. he kind of boops her there a little bit of like, I've always fit in with you. It's your turn to fit in with me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's wonderful. I really love the whole, the booping. Yeah. 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 Because I think that's presented as like another example of, of Jimmy like going rogue. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think realistically, like there is a perfectly appropriate and and like clinically supported, you know, way to sort of incorporate that sort of skill, right? Yeah. Um, dynamic shift. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, in the do, yeah, yeah, and even like therapists could do it, right? So like, absolutely. If you're feeling stuck with a patient and you're like, I feel like I am pulling teeth with this person, mm-hmm. like I. If you're in an in-person therapy room, you sit in the therapy chair and have them sit in your, oh, I guess that happened in in, in treatment. Like, didn't she switch spots with, with one of the guys? Yeah. yeah. So, like, something like that, something as simple as that can, like, really shake up 
a pattern and shake up yep. a relationship in a way that can cause change, which is mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. 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 So um, one of the other sort of relationship dynamics that I wanted to talk about is Paul. Uh, Paul and everybody. Paul's the best. I love Harrison Ford in this. I wasn't sure, you know, because some of the previews just made him seem like a grump. And he is a grump. He is. He is a grump. <laughs> but he's a he's a human grump. He is oh, he's a human. Wonderful. That is that has some real of stuff of his own going on, and that's okay. impacting his relationships, and that he's figuring stuff out too. And I think that role specifically of uh, therapist supervisor, I think, is one that most people don't get to see this relationship, which uh-huh. is you know Jimmy. For Jimmy, Paul is someone that he idolizes and looks up to and wants a human connection with right Mm -hmm. wants a hug from yep you know and for gabby and they acknowledge this in the later episodes as she's looking for a professorship she wants that kind of connection that he has with jimmy which is like i want to talk about clinical uh interactions i want to feel like i have earned your your professional respect right that i'm not Mm -hmm. just a person that gave you a water bottle and drives you to work i'm also like a colleague that you hold in high esteem. Yeah, she and just I, wants I, acknowledgement. Yes, her. and I just I I really enjoyed the window into that because I think it's something that you know, much like any sort of workplace show, especially mm-hmm. a workplace comedy, it's like, oh, yeah, we we don't know that this is something that therapists do. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't hear about it, right, mm-hmm. from a therapist. Yeah. What is interesting, what is fun about like what the relationships that we get to see between them, I think the like the office relationship is very indicative of like a group practice kind of thing. The difference is I think their relationships are very like friends more than coworkers. 100%. Yeah. Other than Paul, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it just makes it more like interconnected than like I think some group practices are but for Paul like I like the I like the moment when Jimmy had to point out to him like she's oh like she's treating you better than I am like but you're yet yeah. here you are giving me all this attention mm-hmm. um and also they've gotten to like a they've moved from like supervisor role to like mentorship role of like I just need somebody to bounce something off of. And and I have an old supervisor that I used to work with. And he and I meet like twice a year just kind of nice. to like chat. Yeah. And it's my favorite. He's my favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think it's it's nice. But then with Paul being such a grump, like I think it adds an extra dynamic to it where they don't get that. Like they don't get to feel endeared either mm. by him or to him because he doesn't he has such like intense boundaries with them. Yep. But we see him do it with Alice, yes. right? Like yes. when they share the chicken at his house and mm-hmm. and he like kind of lets her in but kind of doesn't and mm-hmm. so we know he's capable of it and so there's like a lot of growth that can happen there next season. And he's he's afraid. He's got a new diagnosis. Well, right. So that's that's like a whole subplot on its own, right? Is yes, he's a, a wizened older therapist, but he's at a point in his career where he's being acknowledged for like career achievements, and he mm-hmm. sort of acknowledges like I'm not done. Like, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, he has his daughter asking him to basically 
leave his life there and come live with them because of his Parkinson's. And, you know, and meanwhile, he's like, no, actually, I'm trying to cultivate this relationship and I I still really want to work and I have relationships here that I really care about. Um, So those are like real, real legit you know, work-life balance uh, challenges that I yep. think are really interesting portrayed here. Yeah. Ryan, tell them how you felt about him not going to Vegas, but going to the family play. Okay. So this is going to be a broader <laughs> conversation here because this show, I think, I don't know, like I, like I said up front, was like made in a lab to cause me to have feelings. But <laughs> but honestly, so even, even from, I don't know if you recognize the like the theme song the central theme Mm-mm. do you know the lyrics i don't think so okay, i do remember so gonna, being like this sounds nice it is nice so it's ben gibbard and someone mm-hmm. else and mm-hmm. ben gibbard of course death cab for cutie mm-hmm. which you know for me high school and college was like yep. my jam uh-huh same so having that voice and this kind of music set up Mm -hmm. the show it's just like ah man it's like settling into your couch with a warm blanket Uh so i'm just like i'm in that mindset where you know if they hit on something really well which in in many cases they did Mm -hmm. you know i was right there kind of ready to feel all my feelings and that episode in particular where, you know, uh, Paul is sort of wrestling with, okay, yeah, I, I got this, you know, this acknowledgement from the APA and they want to give me uh, um, an award in Vegas. And who do I bring to Vegas? And I talk through all the characters in the show and um, maybe I want to bring my new doctor slash girlfriend, <laughs> another dual relationship. I know. Jeez Louise. And, you know, he's sort of getting advice from Jimmy on, you know, trying to reconnect with his daughter and, and then the sort of like, and I was not prepared. I was like, okay, he's taking the girlfriend to Vegas. Like, sure, yeah. great. What a what a nice relationship nice. to yeah. cultivate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the grandson's play that his daughter said that they couldn't come to Vegas because the grandson had a play. So he takes the girlfriend not to Vegas to get the reward award, but instead they go across the country to you know his grandson's play and as soon as i realized that that's where they were because they they do this like misdirect where you think they're just like outside of a hotel in vegas and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they're walking into like a community theater Mm -hmm. man Haley, they got me (laughs) i was not prepared for that it really like you know like a jolt um of feels yeah a jolt of feels what was funny for me was so they walk into an auditorium right Mm -hmm. and I was, and then they had to like be like, "Excuse me, are those seats taken?" And I was like, "He's the guest of honor. He wouldn't." Yeah, have really. To like, yeah, yeah. Yes. He wouldn't have to shuffle past people. He would be seated up front. And so so your your like, alarm bells were going off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just was like, "This is weird." Yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, okay. I, I'm dumb. <laughs> like, I I didn't catch on to what was happening here." Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just the the look on the daughter's face of just like pure love i like that that's not Shock, the right gratitude word. Yeah. yeah it was it was yeah it yeah. was it was it was surprised but it wasn't just like oh it was like this like melting yes you know and well he chose her and he yeah. chose that relationship to to prioritize after her i think justifiably so like telling him 
that he's never prioritized this relationship. He's never invested in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And he sort of warns him, she sort of warns him, like, are you going to go your whole life and never like try to address this? Yeah. And he does and he is. And wow. And it kind of, it's interesting how he helps Alice and Jimmy kind of re kindle because he struggles to do that with his own daughter right and i think that's Mm -hmm. a perfect example of how therapists are sometimes good at teaching stuff that they're not good at doing Mm -hmm. and the way like remember he like invites her to vegas but then it is as you know alice would have said like it's not enough because it's actually a work event right Mm -hmm. and and so for him to then be like oh okay well then let me readjust let me try again um really mirrors that from the beginning of the the season as well and it was very sweet. Yeah. So the the theme song is called Frightening Fishes. That sounds like a postal service slash death cab <laughs> song. Yes. yes. <laughs> but the lyrics are really nice. So um, help me carry this weight that's dragging me down. Pull me out of the drink before I start to drown. Let the wreckage all sink to where the fishes are frightening. I want to hear myself think again. I want to hear myself think again. So it goes, it goes through that. Nice. But that's like the main like part that hits you as the title yeah. card is is showing. I noticed the song yeah. and I liked it every time yeah. it played. But it makes sense now that you tell me. Yeah, it well, it's, it's <laughs> you know I think, and obviously Scrubs was a very different show, but similarly had these very emotionally impactful moments. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I obviously it's only ten episodes. It wasn't like a classic sitcom. It was much more like a comedy drama. Mm-hmm. But I'm personally really excited for season two. I mean, we didn't even talk about Jimmy and Gabby's uh, relationship, situationship. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's it's a really healthy one. The only my only bummer with yeah. it is I wish that uh, shows would start showing sexual relationships that don't have to be romantic. That can sure. be healthy and mm-hmm. mature and intimate and like connected. Without them having to be like, doesn't have to be anything. Well, else. now Gabby's falling in love with him, you right? Know? But, right, he's no longer safe. Yes. Yeah, but yes. like that's, it's not as fun of a story. But like you said, it's you know <laughs> if they're if they're going to be relationships, it has to be all within this one small it's group of be people. Conflict. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Will they? Won't so. they? Yeah. So more to come on that. But you know, the one question I wanted to ask you before we kind of get to reviews here is, you know, you acknowledge up front because you, you, you're still fully virtual, right? Yep. Yes, I am. So this is a show that feels like to me it's happening in a world either that COVID never existed or is just like fully post-COVID. Post-COVID, yeah. Because he does do some virtual with um, his with Grace. Right, but she's out of country. Yeah, she's in Canada, which also yeah, is yeah. Totally so it's like very bad. specific circumstances that he <laughs> yeah is, is does that with her. So. Uh, again, like at this moment, this show really got me in my feels, and it mm-hmm. did make me miss a lot of in-person stuff, both being in an office with colleagues and group practice Mm -hmm. stuff, as well as seeing people in person and like that experiential stuff, which I think can be so powerful. So I was going to ask you, like, did any part of you, you know, in watching this have that sort of like, like flashback to, I'm sure in your own, you know, time when you've had different work circumstances as well? 
Did you ask me a question because my cat pulled my headphones? Oh, out. I'm sorry. Cats, you know, mine's on my lap being being very respectful. <laughs> mine is not. <laughs> I, I do think virtual therapy is equivalent in a lot of ways, but obviously mm-hmm. I can't take people to yeah. scatter their parents' ashes and yeah. you know, and and not that I was doing that before, but you know, you like to think you could go on a walk with somebody if you really needed to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I, I guess what was that like for you? Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of got the same feeling as well. I I like doing virtual because of um the the flexibility of oh, it. Oh yeah, so it, many like, benefits yeah. of it. Yeah. Um however, there are like small moments where I'm like I wish I had a whiteboard between me and my patient that I could draw on yeah. to explain what I'm talking about. Or I do this like um, values card sort and I used to do it in the room with the patient and now I sure. send it to them and have them do it. And then we talk about it the next week. Yep. And I, yeah, worked in a lot of like hospitals or like schools or things like that where I got to mm-hmm. like play basketball with the kids while yeah talked, totally or things like that yeah. and, and i do love that because i do think it allows for a little bit more like flexibility and creativity i find strict talk therapy a little limiting in that like there's only certain people who it can work for mm-hmm. right like i had yep. one teenager that we would just draw every time yeah. and so now like one of my teenagers one day she was like i just this is like a lot for me and i was like get a coloring book, like color yeah. while we talk, just do and, something yeah. else. Yeah. And she's like doing better now. But like normally nice. in my office, I would like do it with yeah. them. Right. You'd boop them out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that I do miss. I, I did enjoy like the, the camaraderie of working in a program or a hospital or things mm-hmm. like that. When I, um, started my private practice, I was in an office with four other therapists and, I think we would have formed like quite a nice like working relationship space. Mm-hmm. I rented that office at the end of 2019 and used it barely at all and then eventually just gave it up. And so I never yeah. kind of got the like private practice group space yeah. experience. But the way that they sit in the kitchen and like talk and like, yeah. you know, give each other potatoes and like yeah, stuff like yeah. like I do miss that like I do yeah. I do think I would like that and and your experience and my experience are also different cuz you have mm-hmm. coworkers I don't Technically yes I do yeah. I do So like yeah. occasionally you're like I had a meeting with somebody yeah. or I'm yeah. like whereas like me I'm like just me in yeah. my yeah. office with my patients yeah. Mhm <laughs> which was its own experience during covid of right Yeah 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 But yeah, I think I also kind of miss that a little bit. And would I make explicit changes now to get back to it? Like right now, the benefits outweigh the the downfall. Same, Um, yeah. But if I ever got like, if anything ever forced me back to it, I wouldn't be upset about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just kind of noticed myself watching that, like just it feeling so jarring from everything that's happened in like the therapy world for the past couple of years. But yeah. But yeah, you know, um, it's a it's a fun little family of a show. So perhaps we should uh, acknowledge that we're not going to get into every little micro uh, plot twist and do some reviews. Yeah. I'll start with you in terms of accuracy, because I do think, you know, we acknowledged up front, obviously, this 
show is about therapists and we Mm -hmm. do see some therapy. So how accurate did you feel like shrinking was on a scale of one to five delicately tumbled rocks that you would give to a friend? How accurate did you find shrinking in terms of the sort of multifaceted ways it it addressed mental health issues? Yeah. I knew you were going to pick that one, so I've already picked a different one. (laughs) We've already kind of discussed that, like, the therapy itself, bad. So I'm like, I'm not even going to address that. I'm going to look more towards, like, mental health of of recovery from grief, reforming relationships after grief. One thing that I do want to say is I can't remember too many explicit examples of Gabby doing therapy, but there was one interaction with a therapist where or with a patient where the patient was like I like when you swear and she's like I know that's why I effing do it yeah and that interaction to me felt like good therapy I was like oh I was like maybe Gabby's a good therapist we just never Mm -hmm. got to see it Um, also I think Gabby's the best I think she's wonderful Mm -hmm. in terms of like people moving through grief and moving back into like relationships after grief and reforming relationships. This is like four and a half tumbled and polished rocks, like maybe even five, Mm. like because, because they're not done perfectly. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like I think as soon as you make it comedy, it becomes a little bit silly and there, you know, it, it, makes it that sometimes there's like a joke instead of like the way something would really happen or or things like that and yeah i think there are moments where like alice is surprisingly chill about stuff that i think she would like struggle with a little bit more sure. um, yeah. but also she is she does seem like a well-adjusted child and yeah. so like maybe that would be accurate so there's not enough to sell me that it's like a bad representation so I'm going to say like four and a half plus nice. tumbled rocks. Yeah, I think okay. they did a really good job of like the human experience. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I do. Yeah, it's sort of like what you said, the sort of messiness of it is mm-hmm. well represented that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's sort of we're, we're, we're sort of putting the therapy itself to the side. Mm-hmm. And just acknowledging that the people and the sort of relationships in and around the actual therapy that happened were just just felt really Mm well-rounded and really well uh, portrayed and emotionally sort of in line with what I think you and I would expect based on the different circumstances going on. So, Yeah, yeah. All right. So before you ask me, we're going to do our favorite challenge in which you guess the tomato meter or audience score uh, for shrinking. 96. Okay. So uh, not as close as usual. (gasps) It has an audience score of 86. Oh, I was going to say 88 originally, but I was like, it's so good. (laughs) It is really good. And the the tomato meter, which is all the critics, is 81%. So certified fresh. (laughs) But yeah, just like a solid, I guess, what's that, like a solid B, I guess? Yeah. 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 That's funny. So I said what, like a, oh no, I said 4.5, so that would have been a 90. But yeah, I, 
I was originally going to say 88, which is funny, but yeah, I mean, I am kind of surprised. I am a little surprised that it's quote unquote that low because I don't know, I'll ask you about entertaining and maybe you can give me some insight, but I just was like, there were, I laughed out loud a few times. And so um, I thought it was very well put together, but you know, I think when you want everything to be as good as Ted Lasso, you know, other Mm. things just sometimes don't measure up. That's true. (laughs) Hard to get there. Um, Okay. So since we're talking about how entertaining it is. Yes. On a scale from zero to five gallon sized water bottles that Gabby lugs around or their miniature version that she gives to Paul. Yeah. Um, How entertaining did you think? this was yeah so i for me we talked about sort of our different experiences of it in terms of the arc of the season for Uh me i thought it got better because i think i watched the first episode and was so worried about what the therapy portrayal was Uh going to be the rest of the season that i was Uh like oh man i don't know if i'm able to watch this Uh, obviously i was going to be able to but i just wasn't sure how much i was going to enjoy it yeah versus sort of be cringed by it but the the turn that they took to really make it about this family of people yeah. and how they're coping with a, a very real loss in such heartwarming and funny. I laughed, I think, more as the episodes went on, uh-huh. especially with like, you know, Paul getting weed gummies and the Brian relationship evolving. I just found myself enjoying more and more of it. I zoomed through the last four episodes. I think Uh I I binged it because I was just like in such a good place with it. Uh Um, So for me, oh my gosh. Am I giving this a five? I'm just sort of like discovering it as I'm talking about it. Okay, so I think to, to answer your question, I think the reason that it doesn't get a five is this initial stuff that we see. Um, one of the reviews that I saw felt like it was, you know, Jason Siegel in, in any other role you've seen him in in any other movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's Jason Siegel. And like yeah. some of that's funny. Some of it's just like big, goofy, naked baby jokes yeah. uh-huh. um, that doesn't necessarily quite connect um, mm-hmm. the same way it does when I think he's really having emotional connected moments mm-hmm. uh, with Alice or Brian mm-hmm. or Paul. That's why I think we really get a better version of this show and a better version of Jimmy, the character. Mm-hmm. So that's why for me, I'm just going to give a really nice 4.75. Okay. I mean, I feel like you and I kind of had the both the same reaction for both the ratings where yeah. we were like, it's not a five, but it's also not a 4.5. So it's a 4.5 yeah, yeah, yeah. plus a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Um, what I do think is interesting is, so you kind of mentioned we had reverse arc, you know, you yeah. liked it more as it went on. I liked it a lot more in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And what you spoke to is you really loved the focus of the like emotional, intimate connections between them, which I also really enjoyed. Yeah. But what I really liked about it at the beginning was that it was just joke after joke after joke after joke. It was. Yeah, it was joke um, heavy. That's true. Yeah. So I think, you know, as it moved more into like the intimacy and the connection, you enjoyed it more. And I loved it when it was just like so silly. Yeah. Um, sure. And just like Fair. these wise cracks. And yeah, um, yeah. And I think both of those things is what makes it so great. So Yeah. 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 So looking forward to, to season two whenever we end up getting that. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that is our episode for today. That was shrinking on Apple TV. Um, so thank you for following along and listening. Um, Haley, our, our listeners can now like send us comments and questions and stuff on Spotify. So Ooh. if you want to, you know, if you happen to listen on Spotify and see those options and you want to shoot us a question or a comment, there's a, like a really easy way to do that now. So feel free to do so. Otherwise, you can find yeah. us on all our other social medias at PopPsych101. Um, thank you, as always, for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>